Content warning, this page will deal with and discuss uh, sexual and physical violence. Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 870. Maybe Crin would help you get ready for bed if you asked her. Elle turned to look in Crin's direction. Her mouth moved in a vague way. Crin darted a glance at me and I nodded. Let's go and get tucked in then, Crin said, sounding every bit the older sister. She came over and took Elle's hand, helping her to her feet. As they went into the tent, I finished off the soup and ate a piece of bread that had been too badly burnt for either of the girls. Before too long, Crin came back to the fire. Is she sleeping? I asked. Before she hit the pillow, do you think she'll be all right? She was in deep shock. Her mind had stepped through the doors of madness to protect itself from what was happening. It's probably just a matter of time, I said tiredly, hoping it was the truth. The young heel quickly. I chuckled humorlessly as I realized she was probably only about a year younger than me. I felt every year twice tonight, some of them three times. Despite the fact that I felt covered in lead, I forced myself to my feet and helped Corinne clean the dishes. I sensed her growing unease as we finished cleaning up and repicketing the horses to a fresh piece of grazing. The tension grew worse as we approached the tent. I stopped and held the flap open for her. I'll sleep out here tonight. Her relief was tangible. Are you sure? I nodded. She slipped inside and I let the flap fall closed behind her. Her head poked back out almost immediately, followed by a hand holding a blanket. I shook my head. You'll need them both. There will be a chill tonight. I pulled my shade around me and laid directly in front of the tent. I didn't want Elle wandering out during the night and getting lost or hurt. Won't you be cold? I'll be fine, I said. I was tired enough to sleep on a running horse. I was tired enough to sleep under a running horse. Crin ducked her head back into the tent. Soon I heard her nestling into the blankets. Then everything was quiet. I remembered the startled look on Otto's face as I cut his throat. I heard Alec struggle weakly and cursed me as I dragged him back to the wagons. I remembered the blood, the way it had felt against my hands, the thickness of it. I had never killed anyone like that before. Not coldly, not close up. I remembered how warm their blood had been. I remembered the way Keith had cried as I stalked her through the woods. It was them or me, she had screamed hysterically. I didn't have a choice. It was them or me. I lay awake a long while. When I finally slept, the dreams were worse. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. And Jeremy is still away. Where's Jeremy, Jordana? Busy eating horse apples. Yum, yum. <laughs> Same place as last time. <laughs> it takes several days to eat a pie made of inedible horse apples. Yeah, he still has to finish his crow pie too, so he's got a few pies to get through. He'd probably actually like like crow pie more than horse apple pie because he doesn't like fruit pie, but he does like meat pie. Yeah, but I'm imagining like fully like unplucked crows go into it, you know. <laughs> it's just like a crow pie like the one in the clue card. Yeah, exactly. It's mostly uh feathers quills and bones you know charming yeah and what else is charming uh is that we we finally get the close-up of crin not crin of keet i think we mentioned uh, or at least i remember thinking that it was odd that keet is sort of in many ways the most featured of the false rub besides uh aleg and who we talked about as being one of a particular kind of uh, traitor and on this page, we get a rather chilling, uh, frightening, and, and 
um, humanizing moment from her, which uh, puts the truth to what I think Jeremy was saying that if she hadn't, you know, helped them do what they did to the girls, it's very likely that it would have been her. Maybe she is also a victim that they plucked from somewhere. And, and this is how, you know, she spent some time living that way and then kind of graduated to full member of the troop when there was a new victim. Like, like I've been saying, I don't really want to spend the, the mental energy, like feeling bad for these people, but that's now what we're being asked to do by the book. We're now asked to ask ourselves, like, what put these people, these these women in particular, in this situation? So it's very plausible that the, that could, in fact, be the case and that, like, Keith was doing what she did because she didn't want it done to her. Very plausible. But to entertain the other possibility and also to think about something that the ADEM talk about. Um, because, oh, so, so remember when... Uh, what is it? Vashet is talking to Quoth. I feel like this happened a long time ago. And I'm not gonna be able to remember it properly. But Vashet was talking to Quoth, and then uh, Vashet said she couldn't trust anything else Quoth was gonna say because he was like upset or emotionally involved in it too much to be uh, too much to be trusted at that time. Like she couldn't trust the things he was gonna say because they would come out of. Uh, like him needing to get a specific answer from her right and i i tend not to like i kind of don't believe my own take here but at the same time i do think it's worth exploring uh because it's possible that crin could just be saying the thing she knows is potentially the thing that could get her out of it whether or not it's true yeah you're right uh you're absolutely right and i think what what a close reader can reckon with and what I think Quoth is reckoning with is that it doesn't matter what is true because she's been killed. Exactly. Uh, But you know, there's that possibility that it wasn't just a simple matter of like, here is a victimizer who has been righteously punished. It is now entered into the realm of possibility. And especially now that Quoth is no longer angry and has time to think about it. It's entirely possible that, you know, not to make a joke of it, but she's a victim of circumstance. Like we talked a little bit about like what, what circumstances, what history would bring people to behave the way the false Ra did. And I'm not saying it justifies their actions, but no one is born a villain. And a lot of the time, no one even thinks they're a villain with a very few exceptions. Nobody actually thinks what they're doing is, is wrong or bad. People can, rationalize a whole lot of things and, and virtue is uh, a matter of opinion. So much to think on, much to think on. And there's nothing to be decided and learned, right? It's just that the purpose of this is to inject a little bit of that questioning into the book and to remind us that even though in the moment it seemed extremely righteous. And I think Jeremy would say, and I'm inclined to agree that ultimately this was extremely righteous because there are some crimes that are unforgivable. Uh, there's always more going on. And this is maybe another example of Quoth acting before knowing the whole story. And again, not that I want to excuse the behavior of any of these people, but maybe Quoth is acting, is asking himself like, you know, could I have saved Keat maybe? Were there more people there who needed saving? And I just acted so rashly, you know, and, and I don't know that I really want to dive too deeply in this, but I think it's extremely likely that Keat's position is is a correct one that, 
if it wasn't for those girls, they'd be looking for someone else to victimize. Yeah, I mean, I I am very much of like, I feel like I'm meaner than you are right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like, I, I am very much like the, your circumstances do not justify your actions necessarily kind of situation. Like, I don't believe that Keats' only options were to go along with it or to be a victim herself. I think that there there was at least a third option there and it wasn't explored. Um, if it was indeed the case that she would have been victimized if they weren't. Um, so, yeah. Exactly. You know, it, I'm not saying she's innocent, but I'm also not saying she's fully guilty and we'll never know and neither will Quoth. Indeed. That's, that's what's important here. The important thing is we don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and Quoth doesn't know. Like it, I'm 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 only half joking. Like that's that's part of I think what we're meant to take from this is that Quoth has found a permanent solution to what might have been a solvable a problem that was solvable in other ways, at least for some of them, at least for Keat, maybe. It sure seems like Anne was no good. Like Anne we learned is like was I, I think we were talking about this already. Like Anne was like playing the role of the the kindly grandmother and like slipped them the Mickey that knocked them out. Like Anne is one hundred percent in on it, um, but there's some deniability here for Keat. Perhaps Keat is the lesser evil. Yes, that was not the quote I was hoping to get out of you. <laughs> well, the the you picked the lesser of two evils. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. The lesser. Of <laughs> it two occurs to me that you probably didn't like the Witcher show. <laughs> I, I like the first season. Well, the first season has that thing in it where he's like, greater, lesser, it's all evil, you know, that thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the moment has passed. <laughs> I mean, you raised a good point that there's a thematic connection between the Witcher series, franchise, and the Kingkiller, which well, is- they're both high fantasy. They're both high fantasy in sort of like a low tech world. Yes. Like a a low tech pre-industrial world. But uh, what I mean is that there's this theme throughout both of like there being shades of gray to things and that like, and like, you know, what is moral, what is morality and light and like the Witcher human evil is usually cast as worse than monster evil, right? Like the, the thesis of the Witcher is that humans are capable of far of evil on evil on a far greater scale than the monsters that he's tasked with hunting. Um, yeah. And I really love that concept. Like it's a, it's an upsetting concept, but I also feel like it's true. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and I think that's what's so interesting. I like interesting. that someone is addressing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what's interesting about the Witcher because like the, the role that, that uh, Geralt is cast in is one of like an, you know, a hunter and a slayer of evil, but the evil he encounters that's perpetrated by humans is invariably worse than the evil that he can like actually, do something about uh, yeah exactly and he's like he resists uh being called even though he he never fully resists he always gets sucked in but he always resists like being called to do something about the the human evil but i we we digress because as you may recall we have a podcast about the king killer chronicle indeed and more to say upon this page well why don't you say it uh well let's address the end of the page where he's talking about his dream because also um why not insert that is the chapter title and it being the end of a chapter and all. Um, but he's talking about how the dreams are worse than the things that he remembers right before he goes to sleep. And 
Um, I really like dreams. I think they're like a really interesting thing to study. Uh, I am not like, I don't have the time or the like, I don't know, intellectual capacity to really dive into it as much as I think I would like to, but uh, I did my thesis on dreams. So I know like a little bit about them. Um, And one of the things that I like and also hate, I hate love this about dreams is that uh, when you dream about stuff and you're stressed, you will, you will dream about the things you're stressed about. So your brain is better able to deal with them the next time it has to go and deal with them. Um, so it's like, you have to, you have to experience a terrible thing twice, sort of, in order to be able to handle it the next time. That's interesting. I, I, I always read, like, understood dreams as being things that you weren't able to fully process during the day that your brain is now devoting some time to, to, like, process and file away the thought. Yeah, you're sort of, like, reprocessing. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but sometimes I'm able to, like when I still have a grip of a dream, I'm like, why did I dream that? And if I think back through the day, I can sort of point to like, oh yeah, there was a moment where like this idea that kind of became explored in the dream was in my head, but I didn't end up like thinking about it really. I definitely have that, but like on what I feel like is a broader scale, I will, I will have a dream on a theme or in a place that I was trying to deal with but didn't have time to during the day kind of thing and then the next day i'm i feel like i'm like maybe it's like a placebo effect but i feel like i'm better able to deal with it the next day because i dreamed about it yeah you know i'm sure there is like a a uh physiological reason for dreams beyond the (laughs) you know the the stuff that we like to talk about in pop culture but you know there must be a reason that creatures with big enough brains do like you know my dog very clearly dreams right anyone who's watched a dog or a cat sleep know that they dream so there's there's more going on there yeah dreams are cool and weird also sleep just in general very interesting yeah it's whack um yeah and i I have most of our lives sleeping apparently yeah and it rules sleeping is great i love sleeping yeah sleeping is great i agree go sleeping yeah Oh, this cool. podcast sponsored by sleeping everybody yeah. get a good night's sleep that's right <laughs> go go to sleep right now are you sleepy are you a little bit tired are you driving unless perhaps? you're driving please don't go to sleep right now especially if you're driving especially <laughs> if you're driving think about how heavy your lids are just let them droop a little bit it's okay you can keep your eyes open you won't <laughs> fall asleep you can Crash. let them let them fall a little bit my secret to falling asleep when I uh, when I don't want while to while driving. Your secret to falling asleep while driving? No, no. Uh, luckily, I've never done that. Uh, although I've come close once or twice. But no, my secret if I can't sleep is I I put on a uh, like something on YouTube or an old familiar show uh, very softly in the background or a podcast sometimes, and then I listen to it with intent. I like intend to listen to it or watch it, and that invariably lets me fall asleep because if you like. Or I guess if, if I think like, ooh, I want to sleep, ooh, I want to sleep, you won't do it, right? You have to let your mind wander in order to actually fall asleep. So a great way to do that is you like intently focus on a thing and your mind will start to wander as you get more and more tired. And you'll be like, no, I have to listen to this podcast. I have to. But your mind will be like, no, go do something else. And then you'll fall asleep. It's great. Hmm. That is an interesting technique. Yeah. Works every time. I have like a... An- a narrative for when I can't sleep. So like I used to have this reoccurring dream as a kid. Um, 
And I, I like part of me thinks it's like the two sides of my soul coming to visit me um, because it's always got like these two, it's these two guys and one has dark hair and one has light hair and like they aged as I aged, which I always thought was really weird. Um, and it always would start with me like running and then falling off a cliff. And then I would meet these two people. Um, and so when I can't sleep, uh, I imagine I'm sitting in the room talking to the people. Interesting. Yeah. It's a really good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend meeting the pieces of your soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners, uh, look deep within as you fall asleep to our dulcet tones on this podcast. And maybe you too will encounter the myriad, but never far away, pieces of your soul. Until next time, dreamers, sleepers, wakers, and snorers, I've been Nick. I'm always Jordana. And this is Page of the Wind.